Welcome to this roundup. The emerging technologies are fundamentally changing the definition and meaning of security. And as a result, there is no such thing as secure anymore. The evolving security threats has no visible fronts, border, or armies. So when we evaluate emerging technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, internet of things, autonomous systems like autonomous vehicles or autonomous weapons, next generation virtualized infrastructures, and so many more technologies, there are all indicators that network security, information security, data security, and cybersecurity risk are going to grow rapidly. With millions of annual cyber attacks, cybercrime has become a real threat to everyone today. So as we take a step forward in 2019, the battle between cybersecurity offense and defense is expected to escalate and emerging technologies will need to find their way into balancing the already complex security paradigm. To discuss implications of emerging technology on cybersecurity, I'm delighted to welcome Venu Yadugonla to this roundup. Venu is a cybersecurity advisor and he's based in the United States. Welcome, Venu. We are delighted to have you on this roundup. Thank you, Jayashree. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I hope what we are going to discuss today is going to be of value to your audience. Uh, first, before we uh, move ahead, I wanted to commend you on uh, this amazing service that you're doing for the community itself by creating this platform, bringing in people with uh, different backgrounds, distinguished experience, and helping them share their, uh, uh, you know, how they are dealing with the challenges that they're facing on a day-to-day basis. And that helps the broader ecosystem. That's uh, uh, an amazing job. Thank you for doing that. Thank you, Venu. I appreciate that. So when, when we look back at 2018, what changed in the security paradigm because of these emerging technologies? If, uh, if you, to understand the evolution itself as the way we have uh, looked at in the past, I would say about eight to 10 years, the change in security landscape is, is so uh, fast and, and so breathtaking. And, and uh, uh, I would say in, in so many ways, it's, it's making our existing society itself insecure because of the threat landscape has evolved so much. Uh, access to technologies has evolved. If you look at the current, uh, you know, cybersecurity attacks, the, the, uh, you know, attacks that happen today, 80% of those attacks are coming from well-organized, well-funded uh, criminal agencies, criminal enterprises, which operate on a nine-to-five basis on a, uh, as if they're operating a business, which means that they are very uh, driven, they are very uh, uh, well-funded and organized, and they're able to bring to bear a lot of uh, technology, a lot of intelligence, because it's like fighting zeros with zeros in, in slightly modified form. That, that's what we are trying to deal with. And every time you try to put uh, a defense up, there is already a, a, a vulnerability existing in, in, in it automatically, or there are zero day vulnerabilities that show up. So it's a constant battle and, and it's changing. It's, it's morphing every single day. And especially in the, the last one to two years, if, if you look at, uh, uh, the reason for uh, you know this much of attention on on uh, what is happening 
is the added element of uh, site, uh, the nation states getting into the uh, into, into the mix. So they uh, are starting to go after the infrastructure of a country. They are going they're going after the supply chain of of, an, of a country. So if, if you look at, uh, for example, if somebody wants to uh, uh, break into a company, they have to go and look at the technology company that is providing the infrastructure. So that is the supply chain. If you have to go and break into a, a company's transportation environment, you have to go and look at vulnerabilities in their entire uh, supply chain. So that is what is, is uh, in my opinion, changing everything. Technology itself, it, it's a, even today, majority of your infections are happening because of uh, phishing and, and the, the same old, uh, you know, conventional vulnerabilities that, that, that seem to be happening. So that is why, of, in spite of all the differences that you put up, because of social engineering, which has gotten so good, uh, uh, you know, the, the attackers have gotten so good at that. So they're able to uh, still break into your uh, defenses so easily. And, and that, in my opinion, we're not even talking about the emerging technology. We're talking about just, you know, in the current environment. Um, so we have so much of legacy to deal with. Uh, yeah. People are able to find, uh, you know, you block one place, they're able to find something else somewhere else. So no, that's very true. And uh, like you said, I mean, uh, anybody is getting involved now. You know, it could be nation state, it could be any groups, any individuals. So we have just no idea from where the threat could emerge. And not only that, but the, this has this whole cybercrime, it has become an industry in itself. There is so much money in that, so much of uh, uh, investment is happening in that because it's just operating like a, uh, you know, industry and business. So that makes it very complex to be able to foresee what kind of threats would emerge and who would be involved in that. And when the security concept is currently being subjected to so many big changes with respect to its like uh, aims or capabilities or sources, connectivity and the dimension of threats, it makes us wonder, it makes us wonder how the unknowns of these emerging technologies are influencing the average cost of data breach because like you said so far we have been talking only about the traditional you know cyber security industry where phishing and uh, social you know engineering and email breaches and all those things uh, are part of it but now when we look at the emerging technologies like how artificial intelligence will you know change the fundamental landscape of how the cyber crimes could emerge or how the cyber attacks could emerge it, it involves a whole different kind of influence that is coming our way and it will fundamentally change the average cost of the data breach what do you think uh, i mean if we just look at the traditional industry what was the cost of security breaches in 2018 and what how would it you know change the cost for businesses and uh, entities across nations, is government, industries, organizations, academia, when these emerging technologies will start uh, playing a bigger role in the cyber attacks. Yeah. We're, we're very uh, uh, valid. I mean, that is one way of looking at it, the cost of uh, breach itself. For example, if you look at the investments, uh, if you look at uh, the security investments 10 years ago, probably 1% to 2% was going into security. Over the last five years, that has gone up to about five to ten percent somewhere. When I mean, these are uh, estimates, right? The expectation is it is probably going to go into the twenty to forty percent range as we move forward. That is one dimension of uh, you know uh, the, the cyber security uh, as I see it. 
but to me i think to understand cybersecurity we have to look at beyond protecting assets beyond uh, an enterprise security we have to look at the broader societal implications broader uh, impact on the human safety and security because that is a big thing it, it, it yes it is a, a business risk for sure cybersecurity but it's much more than that because now it has a potential of shaking the fundamental foundation of the society itself because we are so intertwined into the digital ecosystem now in every uh, walk of our life uh, so it it it, it uh, bears scrutiny from that point of view as as well and we have to add that element at that dimension so if you uh, allow uh, for a minute so to understand the emerging technologies itself we have to first understand how as society you know we operate where is this demand where is this evolution or need for this pace of evolution is coming from if you look at it as purely from an enterprise standpoint we look at it as they are looking for uh, you know market opportunities they are looking at it as a competitive edge so they are trying to go ahead and embrace these technologies but if you look at only managing opportunities and not managing the risk then there is a possibility that you're going to break down the whole ecosystem right so my uh, way of approaching anything is taking a broader perspective and trying to understand first what is driving this uh, evolution what is where is the drive what are the drivers for this so i look go to the source which is you and me who form uh, as a society we have certain innate tendencies which tend to uh, you know drive these uh, you know uh, needs uh the top 3 that i can think of when i looked at the emerging technologies that are you know uh, that we wanted to discuss today are uh if you look at uh the first thing is the need to speed need for speed in other words we have this innate tendency for instant gratification we look for everything to happen now as a society that's that's something which is ingrained right that is what uh the uh, retail industry exploits that's why they said buy in 15 minutes buy in 10 minutes we'll deliver it to you you know in the next 24 hours so we are we are sucked into that and we have the tendency that's need for speed then the next one that we have to look at is we have a need to connect that social connect as as at, uh, inherently we all want to connect with everybody else we have something to say we want audience we want to hear what others say we want to collaborate so that social connect as human beings that's the second piece the third one is we are suckers for uh, comfort and convenience we always look for anything that offers us convenience anything that can make us you know a little bit more lazy right these are the three uh, tendencies in my opinion uh, which are driving Uh, uh the, the challenges that we have with even in a security environment today and the emerging need for emerging technologies right and all these things have a drag on security that is they they all are they don't go well with security you cannot have speed and security at the same time there is going to be a challenge on that you would, you cannot ha- connect with everybody at will and expect you're going to be secured in that environment you cannot expect comfort because comfort and convenience and security you know they don't play well so that is uh, uh, what i feel uh, is at the source of this drive for uh, you know the change that we we were to expect
Sure, no, I, I think it's a good point and good analysis because if you look at it, each and every individual now is connected and uh, it's a little bit exaggerated. Not most of the individuals are connected and we are moving towards connecting each and every individual, you know, across nations. So when everyone gets connected to the internet without the understanding of security, how to keep themselves secure, how to keep their computer secure, how to keep their phone secure or iPads or any of the connected device they're using, how to keep, understand the security, what they should do, not do, not, there is not enough understanding in the, you know, individuals across nations. In addition to that, if we are looking the trend towards, you know, moving towards cryptocurrency, they are doing, you know, everything, uh, they are doing banking and everything that is happening, you know, using the connected devices. So the security landscape is growing rapidly because the individuals, they don't have the enough understanding of how to keep secure, how to keep themselves secure. Businesses, they do have resources and they do have qualified people who would you know take care of the security of the business but individuals they don't have that kind of resources and uh, it, now the boundaries are blurring between the individuals as well as the business because bring your own devices that is also you know adding to the security challenges so yes you know individuals and the societal involvement and implications that is playing a huge role so as we focus on cyberspace and cybersecurity if we look at the societal aspect, what technology trends, challenges, and threat threats await for everyone? If even if we look at not, we are not talking only about the businesses, but individuals as well as entities across nations, government industries, organizations, and academia. So, what what do you see that the technology trends or challenges and threats that will uh, that is everyone is going to face in the uh, 2019? Fantastic. Very valid question and I think very apt uh, to try and get into that. Uh, if you allow me, before we look at how the landscape is going to change or how these emerging technologies are going to influence one way or the other the security landscape, uh, I, I think we have to understand the existing challenges as one of the things that you said is awareness, lack of awareness among you know, users. Uh, there is this notion in, in the security industry, uh, people who are, you know, technology focused, who feel that there is, it's a technical challenge. I, I feel that it is more a human challenge. It's, it's a human centricity is what is missing uh, to a great extent because it's about cyber hygiene. It, it's about uh, cyber hygiene. It's about uh, you know, trying to uh, say what is what is the connection that 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 is required? Where where do you need to draw a line? Do you really need to connect every device that is available? So all those kinds of uh, pra uh, you know uh, human tendencies uh, and practices uh, need to be uh, you know looked at, and people should be made aware of of, of the uh, you know uh, coming challenges. But if you look at beyond that, if you look at all the you know the total uh, landscape and scan for the existing challenges that we have, you have a technology resource crunch, a technical resource crunch. We don't have the people required to defend this uh, digital ecosystem today. We have uh, uh, operational issues. We have data silos exist within an organization where the data doesn't flow between, uh, you know, between departments, between uh, people. We have a digital ecosystem that is connected 
across vendors, across uh, uh, you know suppliers and, and uh, consumers, and there is no uh, awareness of where the data is flowing and what is being done on the data. So no longer we have a, a an enterprise which is bounded by boundaries. There's no perimeter anymore. We have a boundless enterprise, uh, technically speaking. You don't know where it starts and where it ends. That is another challenge. Then you look at your, uh, uh, from an operational standpoint, if, if you look at your uh, uh, threat detection, you, you don't have uh, a, a way to respond to that fast enough. You, if you look at very recently, they, I think CrowdStrike uh, came up with a very interesting uh, stat statistic on, on uh, when, when they did this analysis on uh, uh, the cyber attack uh, landscape, they saw that once, uh, for example, these APTs, uh, advanced persistent threats, which are attributed to nation states like you know, China, Russia, or any of the, many states, it's not just limited to them. They are always looking for a vulnerability in an environment. Right? Once they get in, what do they do? They try to uh, traverse laterally. They escalate their privileges and go ahead and exfiltrate data and, and do whatever damage that they are you know, intending to do. But when they get in, by from the time they get in, before they do the damage, you have a very limited window for the organization to respond and try and prevent that. It, it's, there's no point in knowing that you know, the breach has happened two days later, right? But the challenge is, for example, uh, they looked at Russian APTs. They're able to finish their job once they get in this whole escalation privileges, exfiltration, whatever damage they want to within about 18 minutes. That's mind boggling. I mean, that is, they're not just sitting there and fooling around. They are able to get in and get out so quickly before you even realize that you have been breached, which means the need for speed, the technology that enable that speed, first prevention, right? You have to prevent, you have to contain, and then you have to look at how do you recover from, from that demand, uh, from, from that uh, damage. So the prevention itself, you are stymied with the limitation of technologies that you have. It doesn't allow for that, that level of speed. That is where these, the promise of these new emerging technologies would help, I mean, across the board. Uh, the same way if you look at, uh, uh, you know, uh, look at the, uh, regulations, the government regulations, the data uh, governance regulations differ from country to country. You have GDPR, which expects certain things, but you are operating in the United States, you have a certain, uh, you know, completely different uh, uh, expectations on disclosure of your breaches. So there is no threat intelligence sharing that is going on. So thereby, the same threat that it, uh, you know breached somewhere else, the same uh, threat, uh, uh, breach that happened somewhere else, is is not uh, uh, you know helping somebody. Uh, that knowledge is not getting across to another entity who's breached by uh, who's also uh, uh, compromised by the same uh, breach. So those are the kind of uh, challenges across the spectrum. Then then you have technology obsolescence across the you know board. Whether you look at your uh, the computing, when you look at IOTs where you have a SOC, which is the uh, system on chip, which is everything is, is one small sensor, which has limited uh, processing capacity, it's still constructed based on your 1945 one human uh, model of computing technology, which means you have a, a CPU where memory, uh, C, memory in the CPU 
has both instructions from the user as well as instruction as well as the data from the uh, user uh, operating in the same environment which means you can easily compromise that you can take control of the cpu and then you'll be able to escalate from there so you have to find ways uh, of trying to circumvent that because you know technology will not change so quickly so that is why you put in layers and layers of uh, protection around that and every layer that you add you will have one more vulnerability coming so th th this is the existing uh, complexity that you have we, I, again i talked about only a few there are 20 other complexities that i can talk about no, I, I hear you on that because the point that you made about the data silos, that is a challenge because everyone is just, uh, you know, looking at their data, that there is no flow, you know, between even the departments or, you know, different business units. So talk about different businesses. That is just, you know, out of question. And what you said about that, you know, not sharing the intelligence. If somebody is having cybersecurity breach, then, you know, whatever they learn, if they immediately share, then we can prevent a lot many attacks, but there, you know, they're not doing that because there is a lot of legal liability issues and they don't want their uh, stock price to go down. They don't want uh, their shareholders, uh, you know, value impacted. So there are a lot of reasons why there is not data flow, but we will ha eventually have to come up with a structure by which we can prevent all this uh, impact, negative impact to the shareholder value. And uh, we also can intelligently, immediately, uh, share the intelligence so that you know we can proactively prevent a lot more cascading effects of these uh, cybersecurity breaches. But that that's going to take some time, and especially you know when now the AI is coming into picture, both into offense as well as defense, because now cybersecurity attacks are going to be uh, autonomous. You know AI is going to play a big role, and uh, that that requires. Everyone, you know, businesses, especially, you know, uh, and governments to use AI for defense. And that is going to change the whole landscape. So when we evaluate a technology like artificial intelligence, how do you see the threat landscape changing? And how do you see the emerging security risk? Or, you know, how to even manage that, you know, proactively? What kind of uh, changes are you witnessing, you know, across industries or businesses? What are they doing to prepare themselves for the AI-driven cyber uh, attacks? Right. It's an astute observation that, that you made, which is uh, while we have all the other technologies, just understanding the artificial intelligence, machine learning uh, uh, evolution itself, uh, I, I think it's, it's just mind-boggling because it, it has a fundamental transformative uh, uh, potential for the society as we operate it. And we don't have to even get into the societal implications of explainable AI, whether you have government regulations which can uh, handle uh, uh, the AI. I mean, again, AI is probably a, a futuristic thing, artificial general intelligence is ways out there uh, we are talking about machine learning at this point in time uh, and uh, that is being packaged as ai for the most part uh, but if you look at just machine learning the benefits of machine learning i mean how, what what does the machine learning what is machine learning good at machine learning can help class in classification that is looking at pattern recognition uh, recognition and doing classification whether it's classification of threats classification of user behavior uh, classification of users based on behavior or whatever that is one area it can help uh, within the just the cybersecurity context it can it can help in uh, anomaly detection 
looking at not after the breach but before the breach it can look at how how to prevent that it can help uh, in in building the uh, threat intelligence by uh, doing you know scouring the uh, uh, web and looking for these thousands of security documents and doing natural language processing and being able to build information from that uh, in other words, for threat intelligence to work, you need to have context as well as speed. That is, you should be able to bring information fast enough, you should be able to understand what is going on, but at the same time, you should also be able to put uh, a context in. For example, if, if let's say uh, uh, a threat exists, a threat exists out there is not relevant to me. Threat might exist, but it might not impact my environment. So that is where the context comes in. That is, is that threat something which is going to be relevant to my industry and my am I uh, at risk because of that threat? So that is the that is the, another space where uh, this can help. And then the predictive uh, analytics part, where it can arrive at uh, information and, and give you uh, an assessment, saying these are the possible scenarios, and that you should go and look at. And, and uh, one downfall of trying to so uh, I would say narrowly focus and saying, oh, this is going to solve all our uh, uh, cybersecurity problems from a prevention or a detection standpoint. I think it's going to be a fallacy to think that somehow we, we are going to solve everything using machine learning because the same machine learning tools are available to the attackers as well. They can easily try and flip the labels on your uh, 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 on your classification, either by breaching your model or by changing how they are doing things by thereby fooling your model. So, which means you're going to chase your tail and, and, and go after the wrong things. They can raise the noise floor on 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 uh, your model itself, the data that you're training your uh, model on. So, you have multiple challenges on the flip side, while they can help on this side. Uh, uh, for example, uh, IBM Watson, I mean, I've been always an admirer of IBM from that vision that they had on cognitive uh, space uh, with Watson. Uh, one of the uh, things that they've done, especially in cyber cybersecurity space, they have built a platform called X-Force, which helps in this threat intelligence. They go out, they, I believe they process about some 15,000 documents a day uh, different security documents and then come up and provide this threat intelligence and there are people who are using this. So here is the other challenge when when, when we look at uh, the nuances. I mean, this is really mind-boggling. The reason why I got interested in, in trying to understand this is I'm writing a book. It's out about three months out. It's about implications of uh, uh, cybersecurity on human safety and security. So from that context, when I started looking at uh, all these things, the challenges, let us, for example, on one end, we thought we were going to have these automated cars which, which are going to drive themselves and we don't have to worry. Very recently, we realized that it can be easily uh, spoofed. That is, you know, it can, you can easily uh, uh, fool a, a, an artificial intelligence vehicle thinking that there is, uh, when, when it is trying to do a, a image recognition, it can be easily fooled. So that is one challenge. The second challenge uh, you know, from a comparison standpoint, for example, Watson has been very effective in doing seismic uh, analysis, seismic data analysis. They, uh, it is used in, for example, uh, forecasting storms, um, uh, weather forecasts and things like that to a reasonable accuracy. Even there, it is not accurate. 
you have some 30 40 mile uh, you know radius right it's not accurate there you were trying to analyze static uh, pieces of your soil is not going to change your uh, characteristics of your water is not going to change characteristics of uh, the other elements are is not going to change so for you the you know assessing that data and projecting it is easier whereas if you flip that and apply it to a cybersecurity I mean, you have a, a, a adversary who is constantly changing so the moment you change he is going to find a way to change it so which means it's going to add that additional element of cat and mouse the, you know scenario uh, where it's going to be machine versus machine right so that is the additional challenge when thinking that somehow this is going to be a, a be all end all solution but at this point in time it definitely helps in defense it is already helping people are able to uh, uh, detect and and prevent and, and isolate uh, incidents uh, that that it is definitely helping uh, it is helping in building uh, uh, user behavior analytics models based on which authentication can be a dynamic it can be an adaptive authentication in fact there are solution the out there where they can look at not just your uh, online behavior but how are you Uh, scrolling your mouse how are you scanning the screen how are you able to uh, because these are all subconscious activities so that's how they are able to build profiles but the same thing can be done on the flip side as well so that is something which i think broadly we have to be aware of if you really you cannot get so uh, you know uh, get into a silo mindset saying oh this this is going to solve everything so that that's uh, uh, when it comes to Uh, uh, machine learning. Uh, sure, it's, it's a very complex challenge. I, I hear you on that, and there is no one you know solution that is going to take care of all the cyber defense. That it's a very very complex challenge. So, which tools do you see businesses using at this point that are able to give them you know that's able to give them at least some sort of you know effective uh, cyber security defense. definitely uh, ml is, is something which is being used either it is being used directly by the company themselves building their own models because obviously you can build the models yourself you can use the threat data and then build as as a training data and build that and, and you can uh, train on your network traffic uh, network flows and then you will be able to analyze that so that is where data lakes is going to be a big challenge so this is where these third party service providers who are able to you know come out and and uh, offer solutions uh, trying to provide either threat intelligence or providing uh, uh, detection and prevention capabilities using these machine uh, learning models algorithms etc is happening already we are seeing there are many companies out there silence uh, uh, dark trace you have your uh, Uh, recorded future there are so many uh, leading providers ibm obviously there are so many people who are doing it already uh, the question is uh, that alone is not going to solve for everything so that is that is where you have to for example if you look at even today organizations are using passwords as a way of authentication how i mean we have already realized that it you know there's nothing uh, more insecure than that but we continue to use it i mean we are not even talking about having a strong password we are talking about passwords which are you know the password 1 2 3 kind of thing so those are the kind of things which will continue to uh, pose challenges in spite of all the other technology that you put uh, at the highest level uh, how do you deal with insider threats 
So you have to use the same machine learning models to uh, you know, track the user even after he gets access. Even after he's authenticated, the same technology can be used to authenticate on an ongoing basis. Uh, and then, uh, uh, for example, there is a new model that, that is, uh, I, I was looking at it and it looks like it has been, if, if Google has implemented something similar, I think it's safe to say that other organizations can try and, and use that. Uh, Google calls it slightly differently. There's this zero trust model is, is what has been propagated by Forrester, if I'm not mistaken. Essentially, what it does is you don't trust no matter where the connection comes from, whether it is from inside or outside. You Every identity should be suspect and build your model based on that. In other words, uh, for example, the way uh, Google went about that uh, you know, to discuss the solution application of it's about, see, the complexity of this whole thing is you're rearranging how you're doing things. You may not even need new technologies. You just rearrange how you're doing things. Uh, in this case, since uh, uh, now I, they say identity is a new perimeter. No network is no longer a perimeter. That is, you, if you secure the identity, if you are able to be sure that uh, the guy who is getting access is authenticated and you know the guy who is supposed to get access is getting the access, then you're you know, you can be safely, uh, uh, you can safely assume that you are safe, uh, your data is, is secure. So from that standpoint, for example, Google has gone out and I think they call it beyond cop, uh, the model they approached us. So in, in that, it's, it's concept-wise, it's very simple. They went ahead and said, we are going to authenticate not the user, we are going to authenticate the hardware that he is using for the most part. If he uses uh, authenticated hardware, which is company issue, which has security policies, which are as per that. And then there are going to be security zones. You will have concentric circles. You will be allowed to do certain tasks in certain zone. If you need access to another zone, you should be already pre-authenticated and your device should be pre-authenticated. So thereby it's a dynamic authentication based on you know, whether you're uh, accessing from, for example, let's say you want to uh, analyze whether you're accessing from certain DNS uh, address zone, uh, a range, whether you're operating, uh, accessing it during certain time. So all those things are being built in and, and the solutions are there. It, it, is, it, it just is a matter of uh, how can you rip and replace your current model and transform to that new model. That is the challenge that, that people are going through. Sure. And like you said, I mean, uh, the most of the businesses and my, most of the individuals are still using the passwords, you know, for authentication and verification. But now because of the advances in the biometrics, like, you know, facial recognition technology, fingerprinting and uh, uh, iris scan or retina scan, uh, all different kinds of tools are available now that would help the identity verification and authentication. So, and that also could be compromised. I mean, the AI is uh, very well ahead in, you know, trying to compromise the facial recognition technology also. Uh, so there is, uh, there are a lot, there are challenges, but there are also uh, very beneficial advances that are, you know, happening in the field of biometrics that would be very very helpful but now if we look at it the, in 2018 also we saw cyber hijacking attacks and in i'm sure that 2019 also we'll see you know cyber 
hacking, hijacking attacks intensifying. So do you see such attacks emerging this uh, year in 2019 where hackers will be able to take a full control of any system, irrespective of whether it's an industrial or transportation system or financial system or any other system? And uh, it will it will create very complex challenge for any nation to even regain the control of any of their critical infrastructure or system. Do you see that uh, kind of potential happening this year? It, it's a constantly changing landscape, right? It's it's like this. Uh, I think you 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 or uh, all your audience must have heard this. It's not about whether they can. It's only when they can, when they want. If they desire to do that, they will be able to uh, hack into any uh, network they, they choose to. It, it's it's a matter of how uh, important that that uh, and and for the most part, there are many networks which are already hacked, and people, uh, you know, attackers are residing in the network for many months, and probably they don't even know it, right? So these are all. Uh, 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 it, it's going to be a context base, and the challenges are going to continue. It is not going to be. Uh, getting better anytime so it's going to get a lot worse before it can get better in my opinion because when you look at a, a, a determined uh, determined uh, and, and, and well-funded entity that is trying to use everything at their disposal trying to break into your environment we don't even know what else is going on um, because this is where sharing data is, is going to be so important right uh, it, it puzzles me as to why the government doesn't create a threat management and a threat intelligence platform which is free for use for everyone. Because even today, there are many uh, threats that they see which are not shared with everyone else. Forget about the enterprises. There are so many that they see which are very advanced because if a nation state is trying to attack, they're trying to get go to the infrastructure of the country, right? That's where the cyber... So, which means they're going to be very advanced. They probably are not going to come after a, a, a small guy. So, all uh, that in itself will tells us that whatever we, are, we have experienced in the past is going to be only getting worse. It's not going to get any better anytime soon. That that's my. Uh, two cents on, on, on that topic. No, sure. I hear you. Now, I mean, if you look at the blockchain and cryptocurrencies, we there was a time everyone thought that, you know, nobody would be able to breach that. It's secure. But now we see this zero days vulnerability exploitation or denial of service or, uh, you know, so many different kinds of attacks happening against the smaller blockchain system. So uh, while probability of this, you know, cryptographic attack against uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain systems uh, you know, may create uh, weaker cryptographic algorithms, you know, would play a role in that to increase perf and uh, also play a role in performance. How do, how do these uh, cryptocurrencies or blockchain systems secure themselves or uh, pass on an arbitrary data in a blocked combined with lack of secure coding practices? You know, how do they create uh, processes and uh, uh, for performance and effectiveness so that, you know, they are able to prevent the 51%, you know, attack that uh, would also, you know, make the uh, any false data or claim as a part of the system and it would be very difficult to reverse it. So how to have those kind of uh, challenges for the blockchain systems or cryptocurrency systems uh, be effectively managed? What is happening in the market? 
Right. Uh, I think uh, blockchain in itself uh, has probably the the, uh, the is the most promising technology that that is is on the horizon in my opinion, which can help in data security, which can help in your integrity, which can help in your trust, digital trust that that is possible. Uh, the challenges that we have seen so far is is part and parcel of any evolution of any technology technology evolution right there are a lot of people who have rushed with with uh, cyber security uh, sorry with with um, uh, blockchain uh, solutions where implementation of what it was supposed to be the, the vulnerabilities were more in the software but that was you know one aspect uh, uh, the second aspect is it's still prone to ransomware still uh, people can lock you out from your because it's it's about key management right so they're not going after the uh, network or not, they're not going after the chain but they're going after people uh, or where the key management has happened so those are the areas where you tend to see challenges but as a concept as a technology blockchain has uh, definitely a lot of uh, promise from that standpoint but this i think are uh, going to be ironed out as you see for example uh, you know uh, two years ago three years ago maybe five years ago when bitcoin was was the only uh, game in town uh, when mining was going on the amount of time it takes for you to mine was phenomenal right it was in, in days or so now it has come down to a few minutes uh, it, it's at the same time uh, the other challenge, I, I think, uh, from a challenge standpoint, is, is uh, there are very few people talking about it. But the amount of power consumption as the blockchain grows, as one network grows, uh, the amount of time, amount of power consumption it it, it it takes, is going to pose challenges from an ecological standpoint because we are talking about thousands and millions of uh, megawatts of power that that's going to be consumed if you really envisage a, a much larger uh, blockchain system because of the cpu uh, you know the stress it puts on the cpu so those are the other side of issues which uh, people are not yet talking about the same thing with uh, when you look at uh, quantum computing at this point in time yes it's out there because quantum computing is another threat that could be Going against a blockchain, but fortunately, there are already uh, you know there's already thinking going on in that space. There are uh, cryptographic uh, solutions like lattice cryptography and others which are being made, which is quantum proof. But based on projections, if quantum uh, computing evolves as per projections within the next ten years, they can break any of the existing encryptions at this point in time. So the other challenge that that you would continue to see with these things is you are encrypting them with existing encryption uh, uh, technologies that you're, that are available right but what if the same existing if this becomes legacy and in five years six years ten years whenever that is the next quantum computer comes and they are able to break all these encryptions that exist that are already implemented so you have to change your encryption models as you go that in itself is going to be a huge so that is in other words, you cannot be uh, sitting, um, you know, pretty and say, "Oh, it's going to be ten years and we have enough time." No, today's whatever implementations are done, they are still going to be around at that point in time. So they can break those encryptions and still be able to, you know, breach into your uh, uh, the same blockchains, right? So those are the kind of things. See that 
the funny thing uh, i was i was i keep thinking about the same things right when i look at these emerging technologies and then i look back the last 10 years of how technology is we have not found solutions for the existing technology which has been around for 10 15 years and we don't have answers we don't we have still zero developments coming from those technologies which has been around for so long so now imagine the challenges which are unforeseen which don't know which we don't know of uh, are going to uh, you know show themselves as we go along so that is something which we should be aware of with any of these emerging technologies because any technology that is brought and once you put it in play uh, because of the environment because of the players that get involved it, it's going to be uh, uh, you know uh, there's going to be a gap between theoretical uh, you know security versus uh, practical security that is where cyber uh, the uh the uh, blockchain uh, has run into all these challenges right uh, yeah but i mean the, those uh, as you see the advances in neuromorphic computing and the emerging neuromorphic chips you know that is going to solve the problem of the computing power so that in the coming years that problem will not exist about the you know very high of power so that that uh, those advances are very rapidly happening and we will see uh, computing uh, power will not be an issue in the coming years as you know these advances progresses and uh, the there are also solutions emerging for uh, uh, security beyond quantum computing so the, as the you know advances uh, happen and the quantum computing uh, makes everything obsolete and you know the security paradigm fundamentally shifts there are also solutions emerging for that so there is a hope there is a, not everything is a doom and gloom no it's not doom and gloom uh, yeah there are a lot of advances happening on both uh, on many many fronts that will help the security industry and uh, it's a two way street it, it will help the offense as well as defense but there are many many advances happening which are very uh, which are very very promising and the security industry will benefit from that so having said that what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about where the new efforts needs to be to for the cyber security uh, to help not only the businesses but also the individuals all across nations the first uh, area that I, i i can think of is when you look at an uber connected world that where you having every other device whether it is mobile device whether it is your uh, industrial iot whether it is your uh, consumer iot uh, all those devices are going to add complexity to your environment you have to try and look at the implications before you go ahead and adopt technology so what i am starting to say is to any uh, you know um, executive that i talk to is hit a pause right now before you go ahead and embrace technology just don't look at managing opportunities look at managing risk because you have they have to go hand in hand uh, the amount of digital transformation that is you know is going to throw so many curveballs that you See, here is the challenge. Yes, all the promise that that we talked about is out there, but the question is, even now, if I look back, how do we deal with the existing legacy? The, the you know the rip and replace the or uh, the cost of trying to transform the existing environment to the new paradigm is is not something which companies because it, that's where the cost comes in to play. The, the cost of trying to do the transformation. So these are the things that that that. Um, i would uh, advise business executives to you know take a pause and look at it 
and first look at it more from a human uh, safety, human uh, centric uh, standpoint, and try and uh, transform your workforce to make them cyber aware before you go ahead and embrace any new technologies, before you spend even a penny on a, a new technology, first try and solve for the low hanging fruit. Uh, cyber hygiene is, is one key thing that comes. So if you try and deal with those things, dealing with emerging technologies is, is something which you have to figure out as you go because uh, technology is available, but for you to incorporate it into your environment, you have to take so many things into account. How is it going to play? How is it going to play well with your existing environment or not? So those are you know, uh, contextual, very uh, environment-specific discussions that, that obviously we have to look at what uh, that specific environment uh, can handle or not handle and then uh, go about uh, is, is what I think. Yes, I, I hear you on that. Human safety and security should be at the center of any initiative or any effort, uh, irrespective of whether it's any business or government or anybody you know, across nations. So thank you so much, Venu, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on the implications of emerging technology on cybersecurity. And I'm sure our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the understanding you provided on the implications of cybersecurity strategy and your focus on human safety and security. So even if a single individual or entity is able to benefit from the discussion we had today, this risk round of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you so much, Jayashree. I mean, I think the, that's what, that was well said. That is exactly how I look at it. Even one person gets benefited from whatever we do. I think it's worthwhile. Thank you. Very true. Very true. Excellent. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology conversions, and transformation happening across cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the Risk Roundups, to watch the Risk Roundup webcast or listen to the Risk Roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm David. So, Risk Roundup signing off. See you next time. Thank you.